Peace be upon you. So if I just drive outside of the city, uh, I drive past a lot of uh, farmland and occasionally you'll see these cows just grazing and a thought occurred to me. Do you ever think that these cows, they're contemplating, you know, am I living my life to the fullest? Am I making the most out of being a cow? No, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's raining or it's sunny or whatever. They pretty much do what they're meant to do. They don't complain. Uh, they seem quite satisfied with this, the uh, situation. And this is fundamentally different than a human being. Human being is constantly asking and trying to strive to be satisfied. There's something in us, a drive, a uh, push, in order to look for satisfaction. And there was some research done in the sense of what it takes for a human being, the average person, to be satisfied. And um, there's two factors, two central questions that people ask themselves to determine if they're satisfied. The first is they're asking, am I doing better than I was before? And the second question they ask themselves is, am I doing better than other people? So first they assess themselves to their past self, and then they assess themselves to their surrounding. And based on how they feel about these outcomes, it determines if they're satisfied. If they think they're doing better than they were before, and they think that they're doing better than among their peers, they say, okay, things are good. And what's ironic is if one of these variables is out of sync, then all of a sudden people feel that they're uh, not doing better, they're dissatisfied with the situation. One of the experiments that was done is they're trying to find out, is someone happier making, say for instance, these are just arbitrary numbers, but $60,000 a year when their uh, peers are making $50,000 a year, or $70,000 a year when their peers are making $80,000 a year. So in one scenario, they're making less, but they're making more than their peers. And then in the other scenario, they're making more uh, relatively, but less than their peers. And what they found out was that people are more happy when they're making less, but more than their peers. So this is a funny concept, is that we rank ourselves against other people. And then in addition, we rank ourselves against how we used to be, right? So if in the past I was making $40,000 a year, now I'm making $50,000, I'm going to feel better about myself. But if last year I made $60,000 and then this year I'm making 50, I'm going to feel worse about myself. So we're constantly, in essence, gauging ourselves against these metrics. Now, what gets tricky is when you're dealing with things that are hard to quantify, right? We're talking about money. Uh, we're talking about status, job titles. These things are relatively easy to quantify. You know, there's entire metrics around this. But when it comes to things that really matter, you know, it becomes harder to quantify. How do you quantify righteousness? How do you quantify virtue? How do you quantify honesty? How do you quantify our submission to God? These become abstract. They're hard to quantify. So when people, they go to assess these metrics, you know, am I doing better than I was before or am I doing better than other people? They use simple metrics that they can measure. And the simplest of them all is money, right? They use status, they use money, they use uh, their uh, job title. Uh, these elements that are pretty fruitless, but this is the benchmark by which people measure if they're satisfied in life. And there was a study that was done, they sent out to people whose net worth was over a million dollars and some you know, far exceeded that. And they wanted to know how much would you need in order to be completely satisfied? And the general consensus, irrespective if the person had a million dollar net worth or a hundred million dollar net worth or even more, was that if they had about two to three X more than what they currently have, then they would be happy. But how is this possible? 
How is it possible that someone who's making, you know, has a million dollar net worth thinks, oh, if I had two or three million dollars, I'd be happy. But then you talk to a person who has two or three million dollars and they say, you know what, if I had about four to six million dollars, I'd be happy. And it goes to show that this cycle never ends. You know, there's always this continuous strive in essence that's thinking that if I just have a little more of the material wealth, then I'll be happy. And these are arbitrary metrics. You know, the amount of material wealth we have, the status we have, are completely irrelevant to our overall satisfaction and our quality of life and our overall happiness. In Surah 30 verse 6, it reads, Such is God's promise, and God never breaks His promise, but most people do not know. They care only about things of this world that are visible to them, while being totally oblivious to the hereafter. You know, they care about things that they can quantify, things that they can count, things that they can touch. You know, how do you quantify virtue? How do you quantify being a better human being? These are harder, more abstract to quantify. So what do they do? They resort to things like money, like status. And then when they say, even if they have plenty, for them, it's not enough. In Surah 7, verse 26, it reads, O children of Adam, we have provided you with garments to cover your bodies as well as for luxury. But the best garment is the garment of righteousness. These are some of God's signs that they may take heed. You know, we shouldn't be competing for who has fancier clothes, who has a nicer car, these aspects. The thing that only matters, the only thing that matters is our righteousness. That is the best garment we can have. Surah 102 of the Quran is entitled Hoarding. And it reads, you may you remain preoccupied with hoarding until you go to the graves. And there's something interesting. The Arabic word for hoarding is the competitive quest for more. Right? Because the question is, what does it mean to hoard? And that's what it is. It's a feeling that you always need more. You want more. You strive for more. And we're talking about material possessions here. Things of this world. Not righteousness, not charity, not good deeds. But when people are continuously infatuated, consumed, flooded with the desire for more material possessions. This is the concept of hoarding. And there's a popular quote that gets attributed to numerous people. I'm not sure who originally came up with it, but it reads something in the lines of, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And this is the downfall of hoarding, this competitive quest for more material possessions, is that we're always on this quest, this thirst to try to fill this element of satisfaction, but we never get it because as we get more, all we do is we want more. There's a funny quote. It actually is related with the podcast we did uh, last week, but it says, no food, one problem. Lots of food, many problems. Is that the more we have, the more we are thirsty for more. And the only solution to this, the only solution, absolute solution to all our problems, all our ailments, all our dissatisfaction is God. In Surah 53 verse 48, it reads, he is the one who makes you rich or poor. Now, what's interesting is the Arabic word for rich, aghnaha, which means to be self-sufficient, free from need, not desiring to have more. And this is a state of mind. This is something that God blesses an individual with. And it also, the word that's translated as poor is aghnaha, which means to make satisfy. That God is the one who makes us free from need, who makes us, quote-unquote, self-sufficient, and also makes us satisfied. And nothing else in this world no other individual, no other possession can deliver this to us to allow us to feel free from need and to be satisfied with what we got. This only comes from God. And if we forget that, 
then we will never be satisfied. Recently on Netflix, they brought out a new movie. It's called Dirt, and it's about the story of a Motley Crue. And uh, I listened to some Motley Crue when I was in high school. You know, I was into 80s rock. thought it was cool. And uh, the amount of abundance these individuals had, you know, they had the fame, the uh, status, they were able to do all kinds of vice, and they had all the girls and all the money and everything you would think a human being would want. And what was interesting to me was how absolutely miserable these people were. You know, every single one of them seemed to have just this dying ailment for the desire to have more. In 5100 reads, proclaim the bad and the good are not the same. Even if the abundance of bad may impress you, you shall reverence God, even if you're in the minority. O you who possess intelligence that you may succeed. These people were so addicted to drugs, to uh, sex, to all kinds of just terrible things that was causing them more and more misery and more and more frustration in their lives. But the mentality, and I'm putting myself in their mind, they're thinking that, oh, if I just have a little bit more, if I have some, you know, one more hit, if I uh, sleep with one more girl, if I just have a little more fame, then I will be happy. But irrespective of how much they got, they just became more and more miserable. In Surah 9, verse 55, it says, Do not be impressed by their money or their children, God causes these to be a source of retribution for them in this life. And when they die, their souls depart while they are disbelievers. Now, God knows where they end up. Do they, you know, when they pass, do they end up in heaven or hell? It's up to God. But this element is that, needless to say, these are people who glorified Satan. They thought that that was, you know, if they did it for a stage or for reality, God knows. But they did not live by any stretch of the imagination righteous lives. And they were miserable because of it. The amount of pain and frustration and depression they had to deal with was tremendous. And why? It's because they were unsatisfied with their lives. They were unsatisfied with what God provided them. And therefore, they were continuously in search for more and more and more thinking that that's going to provide them happiness. In Surah 9 verse 85, it says, Do not be impressed by their money or their children. God causes these to be a source of misery for them in this world and their souls depart as disbelievers. These two verses, about 30 verses apart from one another, almost identical. That these elements, that people, they glorify, that they think that this if they just have what these individuals have, what these celebrities have, then they'll be happy. They don't realize that these are leading to their misery. There's a quote, and I think this one's actually from Dr. Seuss. It says, not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted counts. These things that people, they measure success by, you know, how famous they are, how many Instagram followers they have, how many uh, YouTube clicks they have, these vanity metrics, they think that this is going to provide them happiness. That if they just have enough followers, if they have enough money, if they have enough status, if they can get into all the coolest clubs, then they're going to be happy. And they get that. God provides it to them. And what happens? They end up miserable because all that that it provides them is the need and the desire for more. They will never be content. They will never be happy. God has everything we need for us to be happy, content, prosperous, both in this life and in the hereafter. These days, sadly, so many people are addicted. They're addicted to drugs. They're addicted to pornography. They're addicted to medications. And the root of all this, the root of it is the fact that they lack satisfaction. They lack contentment. And they're looking for these external variables to provide it for them. So the uh, last episode, we talked about cynicism, and the uh, founder of cynicism is the Greek philosopher Diogenes. 
And he has some pretty funny apocryphal tales about how he took his ideas of minimalism to such extremes. So, you know, he had very minimal possessions. He used to sleep with dogs and uh, they consider him very foul and gross and unbathing. And uh, he had this one cup that he would use to drink from the stream. And then one day he's drinking and he looks over and he sees the boys using his hand to drink from the uh, stream. And he curses his cup and he throws it away and says, I'll never use such vanity again. And uh, he pursues on to drink only from his hand. <laughs> Another story is that Alexander the Great was in search of Diogenes and, you know, finally found him. And he's sleeping on the uh, ground. And he introduces himself. He says, I'm Alexander the Great. I've conquered all these nations. And if there's any favor that you need, Diogenes, please let me know. And Diogenes looks up and says, yes, move out of my son. Meaning that he didn't need anything. There was nothing that Alexander the Great had that he could provide him to provide him satisfaction because he believed he was truly satisfied. You know, another story is that Alexander the Great says, oh, if there's anyone I could be aside from Alexander the Great is Diogenes. And Diogenes said, yes, if I was not Diogenes, I too would want to be Diogenes. So he was quite humble at that as well. <laughs> but these are the concepts is the fact that we're continuously looking for sources of happiness externally and negating the things that really matter. There's a uh, Harvard professor, I linked to his uh, TED talk. His uh, name is uh, Clayton Christensen. And he studies disruption. And he was looking at disruption technology in the past, but he applied it towards the lens of how people, they measure a life. And he wrote a book, it's called How to Measure a Life. And he's a Harvard professor, graduated from Harvard MBA school. And he noticed something interesting. So every so often they would have these reunions. So 10 years in, all the Harvard MBAs of his uh, class would get together and he picked the academic route. It wasn't very lucrative. Uh, he didn't have, you know, a lot of money to show for. And his colleagues who went towards investment banking and consultancy and this and that, you know, after 10 years, they all had lots of money, a uh, lot of uh, prestige, good job titles, uh, fancy cars, you know, beautiful spouses. And he was envious at times and he questioned, maybe I didn't pick the right route. And then 25 years, 30-year mark, they have these reunions. And what he knows is these people, yeah, their job title is good, their money is good, but their relationships are broken. You know, their uh, spouses have divorced them. Uh, their children hate them. And he was asking, how is it possible? These individuals, some of the smartest individuals in society, they had the best education, made such terrible decisions in their own lives. And his conclusion was, that what happened was they got fixated on the short term. They were continuously thinking and measuring their lives by things that they could quantify, a job title, status, money, you know, these things that they could quantify, that's how they made their decisions as far as what direction they would go. But when it came to the long-term decisions, how are they fostering that relationship with their spouse? How are they behaving towards their children? Are they even present? to be around these individuals that they claim to love. They were absent. They put that secondary because it's hard to quantify if your relationship with your spouse or your children or your relationship with God, is it getting better or worse? And at worse, it gets stagnant and it might even deteriorate. And when it does, we lose everything. The thing that should matter to us more than anything is our relationship with God, making sure that we put God is our number one priority. If we get distracted by the materials of this world, distracted by the illusions that the devil presents to us, it's going to guarantee our misery. 
In Surah 17, verse 18, it reads, Anyone who chooses this fleeting life as his priority, we will rush to him what we decide to give him. Then we commit him to Gehenna, where he suffers forever, despised and defeated. And it continues in 1719, As for those who choose the hereafter as their priority and work righteousness while believing, their efforts will be appreciated. For each one of them we provide, we provide for those and these from your Lord's bounties. Your Lord's bounties are inexhaustible. Note how we preferred some people above others in this life. The differences in the hereafter are far greater and far more significant. You know, we cannot comprehend the concept of infinity. You know, we think that we're going to be here in this life, these, you know, say 100 years, that this is so important. This, everything we do, we do for this life. Negating the fact that after this life, the decisions we make in this world are going to have ramifications for all of eternity. In one of the verses in the Quran, it talks about the disbeliever says, I wish that I could live for a thousand years. You know, and for them, a thousand years seems like an eternity, but it's nothing. I mean, the, the earth itself has been around for about four billion years. What is a thousand years? You know, for a human being, that sounds like so much. But we have to realize the decisions we make in this world, what we choose to prioritize in this world, will have ramifications for all of eternity. We negate the fact that in this world, if we don't learn to be appreciative, we don't learn to value God, we are going to be stuck with those consequences forever. The word kafar in uh, Arabic, it means disbeliever, but it also means someone who's unappreciative, someone who spends their life in this world chasing the vanities, being unappreciative of God, being unappreciative of doing righteous deeds. In the day of judgment, if they had the best of this world, let's say they were able to have, after the day of judgment, they could live in the nicest house, have the best amenities, have the best food, they could have filet mignon every night. The aspect is they are going to be miserable. Why? It's because they are not appreciative. And the aspect is if they're miserable in this life, they're going to be miserable for all of eternity. That is the hell that they're going to experience. If they never learn satisfaction by worshiping God alone, by realizing that God is the only one who can provide to us tranquility, contentment, peace, all these things that we strive for, they'll have to deal with that consequence for all of eternity. When we chase the things of this world, it's as if we have this thirst that we're trying to fulfill and no matter what we, we scoop into our mouths, it's never going to quench that thirst. God gives us the example that it's like drinking sand. Imagine being just absolutely thirsty and all you have to drink is sand because it's never going to quench that thirst. In Surah 13 verse 14 it reads, imploring him is the only legitimate supplication while the idols they implore beside him cannot ever respond. Thus they are like those who stretch their hands to the water but nothing reaches their mouths. The supplication of the disbelievers are in vain. If we think that we're going to get satisfaction, genuine, absolute satisfaction and contentment from anything aside from God, then we're fooling ourselves. God is the only one who can make us free from need and who can make us satisfied. Nothing else can do that. God willing, I want to end this podcast reading from one of my favorite uh, passages from the Bible. This is from uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. It reads, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So God willing, if we want to have absolute contentment, absolute satisfaction, we need to strive towards God. We need to strive towards righteousness. What we choose to focus on is going to impact the things that we think are important. So if we make the things of this world, the material vanities of this world, the money, the status, these items that are completely meaningless in the grand scheme of things, our priority, then we're going to miss out on the greater priority of the hereafter for all of eternity. And the decisions we make in this world are going to have ramifications forever. So God willing, let's try to be appreciative. Let's try to be focused on the things that matter. Focus on our relationship with God. Focus on the righteousness that we can do. And God willing, we can make it to the hereafter eternally happy and in bliss. Inshallah, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.